The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Hey, if you have a Bible, uh, open it up to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, we've, the last couple of weeks, if we're, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, been kind of jumping all over. Today, we're going to be primarily in one place. The, most of the text for today is also printed in your worship guide as well. As we're on our third week looking at the Holy Spirit and the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. I was reminded this week of a story of mine from high school. Uh, my, my high school team sport that I played was basketball. My basketball high school career was kind of interesting. I went into high school as an eighth grader, the same height that I am now. And every year, more friends got taller than me, and I just stayed the same. So I started as a center, and by the time I was a senior, I was not very tall for a basketball player in high school. But, but I remember a specific time in, in my high school career. We were playing a team in a tournament at the end of the season. We had beat them twice in the regular season, so we all thought, we got this. We're better than them. We don't even have to worry about it. We're going to win this game. We didn't win the game, right? That's just sometimes what happens. We lost. And I am a very, very competitive person. And at 17, I lacked some maturity in some places, you could say. So what happens when you take someone who's very competitive and lacks maturity? You get things that you probably shouldn't do. And that was true of me. And so I was really upset, really angry. And I remember we, we walked in and I, I was kind of the first one to go through the handshake line and then to go into the locker room. And I was so upset that we lost this game. And so rather than push the locker room door open, I decided I'm going to kick this door open. But this is one of those like schools that was built like 150 years ago and the, that, that door was like solid steel or something. And I kicked it and the door did not move, but my toes sure felt something. And on my little pinky toe on my right foot turned all sorts of different shades and colors and swelled up and man, did it hurt. And now I don't think about, and today still, I don't think about my pinky toe a lot and neither do you most likely. Why? Because it works as it should. But once in a while, if something doesn't work on our body, if something starts to hurt, we notice it real quick, right? Little aches and pains, our sore throat, whatever it is, our stuffy nose, we just want it to go away. Because our bodies are designed, our physical bodies are designed that they work best when they all work together. And when something isn't working properly, we notice it right away. This passage today in 1 Corinthians 12 uses the same idea of the body and applies it to the church. And the argument that we're going to look at today is the church works best when we all work together. The church functions best when we all are working together. And what enables us to work together for the glory of God is the spiritual gifts that God grants to us. Spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, is started the longest, it's a three-chapter section, the longest section in the Bible talking about spiritual gifts. Now, Paul here is writing and answering specific questions that the Corinthian church had sent to him, many of which about worship and other things that he's been into for a few chapters. And, and what was going on in their situation was there were certain gifts that were being elevated and ultimately led to disunity amongst the church. So he writes them to give them instructions and clarity regarding spiritual gifts. He says in verse one of chapter 12, now concerning these spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed because they, they matter. They're significant to the life of the church. So what are spiritual gifts? 
What are the, when we use this word spiritual gifts, it's a Christian saying, we use it sometimes in church. What are we talking about? For me, a, a helpful definition that I came across was by the, the pastor and author whose name is Sam Storms. He says this, spiritual gifts are capacities or abilities imparted to Christians by the Holy Spirit that enable them to exceed the limitations of their finite humanity in order to serve other believers to the glory of God. I'll read that again because it's a little heavy, but I love how, how detailed it is. Spiritual gifts are capacities or abilities imparted to Christians, so those who place their faith in Jesus, by the Holy Spirit that enable them to exceed the limitations of their finite humanity in order to serve other believers to the glory of God. This term gifts, the word gifts is the Greek word is charisma. We get the, we use that word still in English as someone is charismatic, but it's also defin, defining them of movement of people, of charismatic Christians who emphasize and bring back to attention the use of spiritual gifts and the role that they play in the life and in the body of our church. Now, spiritual gifts are not just your natural abilities with God's help put in them, but they are a supernatural gift that God gives to you. Sometimes they can line up up to maybe how your personality is naturally wired, but just because you're wired a certain way doesn't mean that God will gift you on something that's exactly like that as well. And we're going to see this morning that each of us has at least one spiritual gift and how we should put those into practice. So it continues, verse four says this, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the first thing that, that we see here in 1 Corinthians 12 is the purpose of gifts are for the building up of the body of Christ. The purpose of spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body of Christ. It says there in verse 7, for the common good or for the mutual benefit of one another. If you notice in verses 4 to 6, there's a Trinitarian framework in which Paul starts to address this idea of gifts. First in verse 4, there's many different gifts, and we're going to look at those more, but the same spirit. So it's the same spirit of God that gives gifts to his children. In verse 5, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, the same Jesus. These spiritual gifts are meant to serve others, just as Jesus had an attitude of service. He did not come to be served, but to serve. That same attitude of service should now characterize us as his children when we have and receive spiritual gifts. And then in verse 6, they, God, the Father, comes in that God is the one who empowers them in everyone. I love it when we, we look and reflect on verse 6, we see how much of a grace, of, uh, how much of all of our life, excuse me, is defined by grace. The whole Christian life is defined by grace. You are saved not because of what you've done, but because of grace. That Jesus in your sin saw you, went to the cross, died for you, defeated death, and rose from the dead. That is grace. And then the Spirit, out of his grace, gives you gifts beyond yourself to serve others. And then how does he empower you to use those gifts? God empowers you. Grace upon grace upon grace. You're saved by grace. You're gifted by grace. You're empowered to use your gifts by God's grace. The Christian life is one full of grace. See, we see here... As God is involved in gifting us, that these gifts are never about exalting ourselves. Verse 7, that they're given for the common good. They're meant for the mutual benefit and encouragement of 
others. Gifts are not about showing off or saying how great we are because we have a certain spiritual gift. They're all about glorifying God as we serve one another. See, this idea of gifts not being about exalting ourselves, but of using them for the benefit of others goes contrary to how we so often view our world and thus how we view church, right? We live in a consumeristic world. I don't have to explain this. You get this, right? Everything around you is meant to sell you something. They just want you to show up and consume. That's the world we live in. And so naturally, we tend to bring that perspective to church as well. That we just show up to get what we want to get and leave what we don't and then kind of leave. It becomes about us. But this vision of church that we see in the Bible and that we see in 1 Corinthians 12 is not one of just coming up to consume things, but to contribute to what God is doing. Not one of of consuming, but of contributing to the needs of the body of Christ. See, in the church, we should come as contributors to what he's doing, not merely to consume and to get out of it what we want. I came across uh, an article this week on on what they call social media lurkers. Social media lurkers. I don't know if you've heard this term before. And in their study of kind of lots of social media content, they said there's kind of three categories of people. There's about 1% of people who create most of the content that you see on social media, right? Which means it's just a few people talking really loudly that you see all the time. There's 9%, they said in most of their estimation, of people who are engaging, who are commenting, who are sharing, who are liking things. And then they said, in most social media platforms, 90% of us are just lurking. What that means is we're watching, but we don't say much of anything at all, right? And I'm like, oh, well, I feel seen because that's most of my life, right? Like once in a while, I'll post a picture of my two kids, but most of the time I scroll through and I don't touch anything, but I'm, I'm lurking. I'm just seeing what's going on. And too often we kind of feel that way and people feel that way about the church, right? Oh, it's 1% who creates the kind of, oh, the pastors go up and they do their thing. It's a few super Christians who show up and do the rest of it. But most of us, we just have to show up, get what we need and we can leave. And no one even needs to know who we are. We can lurk. We don't have to, our names don't need to be known. Our presence doesn't need to be known. We can kind of just show up, get what we need, and we can leave. That's not the vision of what God has, of what the church looks like. God has gifted you to serve one another. And as I look out this morning, I see many of you in this church right now gathered who have used and are using your gifts to serve the body of Christ. And I just want to say thank you. That our church is better because so many of you have faithfully used your gifts for years and we are better because of it. And so if you are already serving and you're using your gifts, I want to encourage you because sometimes we don't see the difference we make in other people's lives, but you are making a difference by serving and using the gifts that God has given to you. Verse eight, the passage continues. It says this, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another to interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The second thing we see here is that the giver of gifts is God and he gives them just as he wills. The giver of gifts is God and he gives them to you just as God 
wills. The, the passage starts here with this, this list. This is one of the most full list of spiritual gifts throughout scripture that we see here, all these different things that are gifts or manifestations that the spirit can give to believers to empower them to serve the church and to serve one another. Another place that we see a pretty long list of gifts is in Romans chapter 12. In Romans 12, it says this, having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy and in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, you may have even noticed there that between Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the lists are not identical. Right, But Paul knows these people to whom he's writing, and he addresses various gifts because of the various situations they find themselves. We can gather from this that these lists are not meant to be exhaustive, but representative of some of the things that the Spirit can gift to believers in order for the benefit of the church and the body of Christ. Now, there is some debate, and depending on your background and upbringing, there's, there's some differing opinion on if all of these gifts are still in service to the church today. For that, I have to say, come back next week, because we're going to talk about it then. That's what you call a teaser, my friends. Come back next week. We're going to talk about that in more detail. But we see these lists of, of gifts given throughout the New Testament. And the question is for us, which hopefully should be for you, is how do I know what my gift is? If God has given to every Christian at least one spiritual gift, how do I know how the Spirit, how God has gifted me? Well, there, it's kind of a newer thing in the last 20 or so years is there's lots of online diagnostic tests. Like, take this test and we'll tell you what the spiritual gift is. Those can be helpful if you have no place to start. But the reality is for 2,000 years, the church figured out spiritual gifts without the internet. So I don't think a test online is the only way to figure out how God has gifted us. So how can we discern what our gifts are? Three, three helpful ways for you, hopefully. First is you discern your gifts as you're active and serving in ministry. You discern your gifts as you serve other people. This is one of those things that what, what you are gifted at will become clear to you the more that you do. Spiritual gifts are not just sitting back and be like, all right, well, I have a spiritual gift, so someday God will show that to me, and when he does, then I'll start using it. It's no, you start stepping out and you start serving in ministry and you're like, oh, wow, I, maybe I can contribute in this way. I've never realized that before, but you learn as you walk and grow. It's not just sit back and God will show it to you someday, but it's discerned as you serve. Spiritual gifts are also discerned within you as you serve. As you pray that God would lead you, as you pray that God would guide you into the ministry and service of others that he would have for you. I've noticed in my life that there are certain times and seasons and places that when I feel that, that I'm maybe learning about what a new gift is or just I, I recognize that I'm exercising the spiritual gift that God has given me, there's a sense of overwhelming sense of joy and of awe of God using you far beyond your own capacity. You've hopefully been there before if you followed Jesus for some time. God has done something through you and you're like, all I know is that had nothing to do with me. That was God doing something through me. And what that is, is God is using your spiritual gifts far beyond what you could do yourself and you starting to recognize it. And so start to think, you know, where in my life have I served? I've been like, God's doing something that's far greater than just me, but he's at work. That's how we start to discern how God is gifting us. 
A third way to, to discern our spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts are discerned in relationship with others. That our spiritual gifts are discerned in relationship with others. If you've ever been in leadership, especially church leadership at all, you've likely met someone who thought they had a gift, but didn't have a gift. Right? Like, oh, I have a gift of teaching. You get up and the whole audience is asleep within two minutes. And you're like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's your gift, dude. Like, I don't think that's it. Maybe putting people to sleep is your gift, but not, not this. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Right? So how do we discern our gifts that it's not just, well, I think it's this. It's that we listen to the feedback of those around us. See, as you serve, you, you'll serve alongside peers and one another. And they'll notice, they'll be able to point out to you, hey, I just love how when this person was hurting today, like you, you saw what no one else saw and you served them when no one else saw that. What is that? That's the spirit doing something in you. That, hey, when you went over and encouraged this person that you didn't know anything in their life, but I know they came desperate for encouragement today and you stepped out and encouraged them. That's the spirit working through you and other people helping you to see how the spirit has gifted you. We also, I think, should be important in, in relationship, not only with those we serve along, but seeking the feedback of those who are more mature than us, who have walked with Jesus and served in ministry, who are further down the Christian life than we are. They have wisdom and feedback to give to us. So we don't just serve with peers, but we serve under the authority and leadership of others who can help and discern and clarify for us and encourage us in our giftings in the way that God has enabled us. An example um, from my life and how I've, I've seen God work and discern a gift in my own life is that, that I felt at a pretty early age, I was in high school, I think, when I, when I started to feel like, man, I, I feel like God has maybe gifted me with the, the spiritual gift of teaching, that I really enjoy it and I want to explore, has God given me this gift of teaching? Now, what didn't happen is I didn't just show up on Sunday and go to my pastor and say, hey, I'm now in charge, I'm teaching. He would have been like, no, you're not, sit down. Like, that's not how this works, right? But what did I do? I started talking with my youth pastor. And so when I was in high school, I started leading a small group of junior high kids. And I started teaching them just in a small group setting at youth group. And we had a high school prayer gathering. And what did my youth pastor do? He said, hey, would you just lead the devotional once in a while? So here I am with like six of my peers and I'm giving like a five minute devotional starting to work this out. And he's encouraging me and giving me feedback as are my colleagues and my peers around me. Eventually when I went to college, I again started serving in a small group in youth group, discipling and teaching students in that setting. Years later, I started teaching more in that youth group. Years later, I started teaching more in smaller adult settings. And well over 10 years after I first thought that maybe I have the spiritual gift of teaching, did I ever get up on a Sunday morning and teach in front of a whole audience, a whole congregation of the church? See, so I, I thought I had a gift and I had pastors, I had mentors, I had leaders who said, yes, we think so too. Let's give you small little ways to start to cultivate and to grow that spiritual gift in various settings. And I saw God start to do and to work and to, to do things in my life that were far beyond my own human capacity. See, the amazing thing that verse 11 reminds us of is that the gift that you have was given to you by God. The gifts you have are because God wants you to have them. So this is amazing because God knows what the church needs. God knows what this church needs. And part of God, if you're a part of Morgan Hill Bible Church, part of God, of God bringing you here, as he says, Morgan Hill Bible Church needs more of this gift. This person has it. I'm gonna line them up because that's what this church needs needs, because you have gifts that lots of us don't 
half. See, one of the primary worries that God works in the church is through people exercising and using their spiritual gifts. It's not just from us talking up front, and it's not just when we gather together in places like this, but as we use the spiritual gifts that God's given us, we see the Spirit start to work. It's a reminder also that because it's the Spirit that gives us the gifts that we have, there's no place of bragging or pride when it comes to spiritual gifts. There is no place for bragging or pride because it's not you, it's God. It's not you who chose your gift. It's not because you earned it. It's God who uniquely knows you and what the church needs and gifts it to you. See, sometimes this may be a struggle because in places there's certain gifts that are maybe a little more upfront or prominent gifts, right? Gifts like teaching or exhortation or leadership that, that God grants and gives to some people. And others, he gives gifts of, of faith and mercy and service. And there are a lot of people when exercising their spiritual gifts who will never be up front on a Sunday morning. But that doesn't mean those who are get to brag that their gift is somehow any better or any more significant than those who serve faithfully for God behind the scenes. That there's no place to brag. There's also then no place to complain. Maybe you're like, I wish I had that gift. Well, God doesn't. And he didn't mess up when he gifted you. He knew what kind of gift you should have. And okay, maybe you don't have this gift that you wish you had, but you have a spiritual gift. You have spiritual gifts that God created you for and placed within you. And there's no place for exalting some spiritual gifts over other gifts. Paul then moves in to to the latter part of this chapter to an extended metaphor. And and the the metaphor is of the body. And as he extends this metaphor throughout, is what he's really teaching us is the third point we're going to look at today. And that's the value of gifts and that we all need each other. The value of the spiritual gifts that God has given us teaches the reality that we all need each other. It says this, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. See, Paul's using the body as an illustration that there's diversity within our roles, our giftedness, but all of us have an important role to play. Right? He's like, imagine if your body was just eyes. That would be weird. Imagine if everyone in the church just had the exact same spiritual gift. That would be weird, right? If every single one of us had the spiritual gift of teaching, the stage would be very crowded and there'd be nobody sitting out there. That would be very awkward for me. I'd be like, why are you up here? Why aren't you out there? What's going on? Right? Like if we all had the same spiritual gift, we wouldn't need each other just as your body wouldn't. But it doesn't make sense. There's a diversity of gifts, but we all have an important role to play. For most of us, exercising and living into the giftedness of the Spirit in our lives won't happen in the large gathering on Sunday mornings. That just isn't the role for most of us. So where where is it? 
Well, a few ways in how our church tries to structure to enable people to use their spiritual gifts. Maybe for you, it's, it's used in kids' ministry. That there's classes that are meeting right now of kids who need to know about Jesus and need to be discipled and need to be encouraged in their faith. That's a great way to use and to discern the spiritual gifts that God's given you. Maybe it's on Sundays that you have the gift of encouragement or mercy or faith and you can see people and just welcome them and greet them and you can use your gifts that God's given you in that way. Maybe it's serving in a community group and being in a smaller body in a Bible study in a smaller group of believers and in there getting to exercise some of these spiritual gifts and grow within them. Right after the service today, Pastor Shawnee and Pastor Ben are actually going to be right out at the welcome table. And if you have questions of how your gifts can fit into service here at Morgan Hill Bible Church, they want to talk to you because we want everyone here to use the gifts that God has given them. And I just want to say maybe... For some of you, there, there's a time now to re-engage. Three years ago, remember this little thing that happened like three and a half years ago? COVID, y'all remember that thing? Kind of messed up life and routines for all of us. And for some of us, COVID was an excuse. Maybe we were really involved. We were actively using our gifts. And kind of everyone had to like kind of shut down, right? It disrupted all of our lives. And for some of us, maybe it was a season that we needed to. Maybe we were overextending, and there's seasons for everything. But I think maybe for some of us, COVID stopped us from using our gifts, and we've just kind of been disengaged for three and a half years now. And we've just been kind of showing up, and we're back, we're back here physically, but we're not using the spiritual gifts that God has given you. If that's you, I just want to say maybe now is the time to lean in. Now is the time to lean into what God's doing at our church, to lean in to use the gifts that God has uniquely given to you. He continues with the body metaphor throughout the rest of the chapter. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another." If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. He uses this phrase there as he continues with the body metaphor of less honorable or unpresentable parts of our body. Most of us think what he's probably talking about is like internal functions like your intestines. Like that's not a glamorous job what your intestines do in your body. But when it doesn't work well, you notice, right? You're like, oh my goodness, would this just start to feel right? You notice real quick. And those things that aren't seen aren't of any less importance. There's a reality that for some people exercising their spiritual gift, they will never get public recognition. It will never be in front of a large group. And those people are not just important, but maybe even more important than those who are up front exercising spiritual gifts. There's no dishonor. In fact, it's greater 
honor, to serve, even in places where no one has ever seen. It's not a public-facing thing. See, it's this vision that, that God has of the church gifting us that we would all work together. See, one of Jesus's prayers for the church is that we would be united. Notice what it says there in verse 25, that when we serve as God has had us to serve, there will be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Could it be that the reason we don't experience the unity in the body of Christ, like how Jesus wanted, is because we're not using the gifts of the spirit that he's designed for us? Could it be that if we lean into service and exercising the gifts of the spirit, that God would not only grow this church, would grow us deeper in our faith, but would unite us together as one. Perhaps if we would experience greater unity, if we experience a greater attitude of service and selflessness within our body of Christ. See, the gifts you have are given to you to serve one another. Sometimes we get this this vision of Christian life being, it's like just me and Jesus on my journey of faith. And there certainly is a personal element to faith. You have to place your faith in Jesus, trust in him. But Christianity is always a corporate endeavor. The Bible has no category for private Christianity, just you and Jesus doing your own thing. It's always us together following after Jesus. See, we exist within a faith ecosystem, and one of the ways it's designed to work is when we serve and use our gifts to serve one another. A couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I was out on a backpacking trip. We were in South Lake Tahoe area. There's eight of us from our church, four leaders and four junior high and high school students. And it was a ton of fun. One of the nights when, when we had set up camp and evening came and when the sun went down, we realized, oh, tonight we're camped in an area with mosquitoes, like a lot of mosquitoes. Like you can hardly open your mouth to eat because you're afraid you're gonna be getting extra protein that you don't wanna be getting in your mouth. Right, And so after we had ate, the stars started to come out and it was stunning. And so we kind of move over to some of the granite rocks and are sitting there and the mosquitoes are still pestering us. And we started talking as a group like, man, why can't just God wipe out the mosquitoes? Like, why can't God just kill all the mosquitoes? These things are annoying and they serve no purpose. And then we started thinking, you know what though? They're annoying. To, like we don't get the purpose of them, but like mosquitoes serve a purpose in our world. And one of them were like, oh yeah, they're food for other animals. And as we're talking about it, we started to see dozens of bats coming down, swooping, almost hitting us as they're coming down, eating the mosquitoes that are so pestering us. See, we may think these mosquitoes mean nothing, but they're much part of a much larger picture that they contribute to. So you may say, my spiritual gift, it doesn't really matter. My gift, it's not a big deal, but it is. If you're a part of the body of Christ, God has designed in you and, give, and uniquely gifted you. That even though you may not think my gift is important, it is. And when you lean and start using your spiritual gifts, it's a blessing not only to yourself, but to all who are part of the church. See, the reality is every single one of us has at least one spiritual gift. Every single one of us has a way that we can uniquely contribute to the work that God is doing here. The church works best when we all work together. So are you using your gifts? Do you know what your gifts are? And are you active, not just in knowing what they are, but in using them and serving others for the glory of God and for the growth and blessing of his church? Because the church works best when we all work together. God, we thank you that your spirit has come and it lives and is active here in dwelling us. 
that you didn't leave us to, to just try and do this life on our own, but you've gifted us to uniquely contribute to encourage, to equip the people around us. God, I pray for those this morning who maybe don't know what their spiritual gifts are, that you would prompt in them a desire to start serving and to start exploring and to see you start to use their life far beyond what they ever thought they could be used because it's your power working through us. God, for those who, who are serving and are using their gifts, God, would you bless them? Would you encourage them today? Would you remind them again of the difference they're making that each and every single one of us have a role to play and a place to play in the body of Christ. God, we pray that your spirit would be evident and would work in and through our lives, that your spirit would work in and through this church. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.